Good evening, church, and thank you so much for joining us tonight. My name's Cole. I'm the pulpit minister here at Central Church of Christ, and this is Dan Spath. He's one of our elders. And here at Central Church of Christ, it's our mission to be God's heart and hands in this king in, in uh, Victoria and beyond. I almost said in this kingdom and beyond. I don't know what's going on there. Um, if you know, mo- most people do that. They do it. They they do that promo, that thing, and they record it and put the same one out every time. We do it. We do it the same. You do it the same every time. Yeah, I just yeah, yeah I just so, say it. Yeah. So if you mess one up, it's okay. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh man all right so anyway church if you're if you're listening to this on the heart and hands podcast i want to thank you so much for joining us tonight if you're watching this on facebook make sure to like and share that really helps us out and if you're watching this on youtube make sure you're subscribed and you have the bell turned on so you get notified every time we upload a video um this is our wednesday evening conversation through the law and the prophets where we're cracking open open the old testament yep. and uh we're actually in the book of exodus now so uh, very excited about that. We're in Exodus chapter 10. We're going to be v- picking up in verse 21. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're almost to the plague of the firstborn. Yeah. Man. Seems like uh, seems like we, it seems like for me, because we haven't recorded in a while, mm-hmm. you know, and, and it, uh, it seems like it's been forever since I sat in this chair. It seems like, because y'all got sick and mm-hmm. we had people got sick. And so we were, we were staying at home and y'all were, couldn't go nowhere. And so it, we almost, we, we, this, we almost didn't get one done for Wednesday night. I know, I know. You know, so this is pretty. This is. Oh, and then the power was out on Sunday. It's yeah, been an, it's, was, it's been it's been a chaotic couple of weeks. It's been yeah, it has. Because we had a whole bunch set up and ready for for uh, during the during the holidays. We had a, but we used them all up quick, man. <laughs> it didn't last long. No, so, it didn't. So anyway, we're all right, to go. Yeah, we are. So we're going to be in Exodus chapter ten, verse twenty-one. I'm excited to get started. Why don't we pray? Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for the opportunity we have to study your word again. Mm. We pray your blessings on all of us that are studying and and those that are listening. And and I pray, Father, you give us a a keen sense and a Mm. keen desire, Father, to have a a better understanding of your word. Mm. Father, give us a, a clarity of thought clarity of mind so that we can so that we can really be sharp and focused on what you're saying to us and then give us a strength of heart that we might add it to our lives bless us fathers we do that in jesus name we pray amen amen all right so we've seen in exodus in the first 10 chapters here we've we've seen a whole lot we've seen god reveal himself in a powerful way um him move things to come mm-hmm. after his people uh i mean it's it's like god well, working well, we we talked about early on that this what we were into now was this ten lesson Bible correspondence course that mm. God was going to give to Pharaoh. Well, we're in lesson nine and ten. Here's nine and ten. The nine is the darkness, and and ten is going to be the death of the firstborn. So we we are we're at the end of God's patience and the end of God's time, and He's ready for this to be over and for His people to get out of Egypt. And so so the plague of darkness is number nine. We've done all the rest of them. Uh, we've done, uh, uh, you know, we've we've looked at what they ha- what they meant and what Pharaoh was involved in. Uh, God's pretty much done with him now. It's over with because uh, Pharaoh's going to run them off and say you're not coming back. He's not. They're not going to come back. Well, you know, and the crux of this, the crux of this issue, is the same issue that Adam and Eve faced in the garden. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it's the same issue we face today. We think we know better. Mm-hmm. So with that in mind, brother, have you ever, has there ever been a time in your life that you thought you really knew better than God oh, and I, God just, you know, I, I told my, my talk to my brother yesterday and he, and his daughter and two grandkids had just moved in with him. 
And I said, well, how old are they? And he said, they're 12 and 9. And I said, well, I said, they pretty much think they know everything, don't they? And he said, well, one of them does. Well, you know, that when we get to be teenagers, we think, we, we, we think we've got a, a lock on, on intelligence and information. And we, there's nothing nobody could tell us any different. We're all like that to a certain extent. We're all like that. You know, when we start to bring it into our spiritual walk mm-hmm. and we think we know better than God, uh, and, and usually we get, that, we get that thinking and that mindset from other people. Hmm. We, we, uh, we pull information from other people. There's a lot of negativity out there. Uh, I didn't get a chance to teach my class Sunday morning, but if I would have, I was going to teach about, about that very thing. Uh, Jesus is dealing with, in John chapter 10, he's dealing with a lot of negativity. He's dealing with the negativity of leadership. And, uh, and, but no matter what anything, what, no matter what anybody says, no matter what, what's going on out there, negative, it doesn't change the fact of who Jesus was and who he said he was. That never changes. That no matter how difficult Pharaoh is, it's not going to change the fact of who God is and what God's plan is and what God wants to get done. That's the same today. God wants to save us. You know, if God wanted us at the building yesterday, because we're doing this on Monday morning, if he'd have wanted us there, we'd have been there. Obviously, there was something going on, and God knew what he was doing, and we weren't here because the power went out. You know, it's it's always difficult. We So James says that, you know, God is, there's no shifting shadow in God, right? He is a... He is the father of heavenly lights in whom there is no shifting shadow, right? And all good things can be attributed to God. And, the, and God does not do anything evil or anything anything wrong. And so we look at, at the trials we go through. And whose feet? Who's, who's responsible? You know? I mean, I, it, do I lay trials that I go through, difficulties in my life that I go through at the feet of God, or do I lay them at the feet of the enemy? Well, I, I, I'll put it this, this way. You know, I, I got the privilege of, because all of us had been quarantined, all of us had been, no, not being around anybody, my whole family. So we went over to, uh, uh, to Paul and Delissa's house New Year's Eve, and, uh, you know, they've got three little kids. Kevin's got two little boys. There's five little kids there, and they're all, you know, the, the, the responsibility of those three children of Paul and Delissa's lays at the feet of Paul and Delissa. That is their responsibility. Not my responsibility. Now, might I have input at times? And may I be involved at times? Yes. But ultimately, who is responsible for the, for the upbringing and the well-being of those three kids? They are. So who's responsible? If I'm his child, who's responsible? Who's responsible for my well-being? He is. He is. He is. Whether, whether bad stuff happens, it's all on him because, he's re- because I belong to him. Is that not true? Yeah, that's absolutely true. You know, Job is a prime example. Who was responsible? Was Satan responsible? No. God laid it at God's feet. God's the one that allowed it to happen because he knew better than Satan did. He knew better than Job did. So when that's what you preached on yesterday. Consider it pure joy because the, the, the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Who's testing your faith? Satan don't care about testing your faith and making you stronger. He's trying to tear you apart. So if God uses him to get that done, then you lay it at God's feet, not at not at Satan's feet. I'm not laying that stuff at the enemy's feet. God's only you know, the enemy is so ignorant; he doesn't know that God is using him. He doesn't know that. He doesn't have a clue. Hmm. You know, but God is using him to better me and to get me stronger. And as long as I stay put and do what I'm supposed to do, as long as those three little boys, Paul, those three little kids, Paul and Delicious, stay put, do what hmm. they're supposed to do, what's going to happen? You know, they they have no intention of hurting those kids. None. Everything they're trying to do is trying to get them better. 
what they're trying to do. And as long as those kids will respond the right way, what's going to happen? They're going to get better. Hmm. As long as I respond the right way, what's going to happen? I'm going to get better. I'm going to get better. Now, when I start believing the world and start listening to what some of the nonsense the world says, that Satan doesn't, that man, Satan doesn't do anything that God doesn't give the power, doesn't give the authority and the right to do, all right? And and if God is smart enough, and I know my God is, then he is then he is doing things in my life, using Satan or using whatever tools are necessary to get done what needs to be done in my life. And I wonder how much of that too, how much of our misunderstanding with that comes from the misunderstanding of what blessings really are. You know, we oftentimes think of, you well, know, you like, know, Cole. I think I think part of our misunderstanding is is we don't understand what it means to be a parent. Hmm. Okay? We have a twisted, in our culture, we have a twisted view of what it means to be a parent. And so terminology comes, and we have a twisted view of that terminology, where God doesn't. Hmm. God knows exactly what it means to be a parent. If we would, if we would look at him and, and learn from him, then we would have a better view of what it means to be a parent. So we take this twisted view that we got from some knucklehead in the world, some guy wrote some book that doesn't have a, a common an ounce of sense at all. Maybe don't even have any kids, and he brings us in, and he tells see here, and then so we formulate our our mindset on what some guy said or what this said instead of listening. What did God say? And what did He do with when He's dealing with His people? When He's dealing with His children, what does He do? Well, and then we incorporate that, then we become better parents. But when we use the, the mindset of the world and the and the terminology and the and the criteria of the world, we're going to be just the same kind of parents they are. Mm. Same kind. Lousy. Lousy. So what's going to happen? That's why when you find good parents, it's parents that have imitated and emulated God and his plan mm. in their life. Well, and we're, we're seeing that. I think we're seeing that in, uh, I think with Pharaoh especially, you know, Pharaoh is going to be obstinate. And so God is going to use that obstinance to try to teach Israel. Mm-hmm. Israel's not going to learn the lesson. No. Israel's going to have to learn their own lessons. But there'll be a generation that comes after them um, that Joshua will lead into the And into here the we are, land. thousands of years later, learning from the same, same lessons. That's right. Absolutely. Learning. So learning, learning how to be parents, learning how to be children, <laughs> learning how to, how to be obedient, learning how to, how to walk the line and how to follow what he tells us to do. All right, absolutely. Let's look at uh, chapter 10, verse uh, 21. This Exodus chapter 10, verse 21. Then the Lord said to Moses, so we've had the plagues, the plague of locusts just ended. Pharaoh asked that Moses would pray and uh, God would uh, remove the plague, but the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart. So Pharaoh has entered into this place where he hardened his heart on his own long enough that God is is done. God has reached that point with him. He says, I'm done with you. Mm-hmm. I'm going to get glory through you one way or the other, mm-hmm. right? Through your your obedience would be better, but your disobedience mm-hmm. would work just fine too. I'm going to I'm going to get glory. So, in verse 21, then the Lord said to Moses, "Stretch out your hand toward the sky, so that darkness spreads over Egypt, darkness that can be felt." So Moses stretched out his hand toward the sky, and total darkness covered all Egypt for three days. No one could see anyone else or move about for three days. Yet all the Israelites had light in the places where they lived. And then Pharaoh, Pharaoh summoned Moses. So there was no back and forth here. Mm-hmm. There, this was just, you know, he didn't tell he didn't, didn't tell Moses, go to Pharaoh and tell him. Mm-hmm. He said, nope, this is the way it's going to be, right? So then Pharaoh summoned Moses and said, go worship the Lord. Even your women and children may go with you. Only leave your flocks and herds behind. So he... <laughs> 
<laughs> he's always got he's always got to get in his power. He's, he's saying, hey, you can go do it. But we're going to do it my way. We do it my way. That's right. Uh, but Moses said in verse 25, but Moses said, you must allow us to have sacrifices and burnt offerings to present to the Lord our God. Our livestock, too, must go with us. Not a hoof is to be left behind. We have to use some of them in worshiping the Lord our God. And until we get there, we will not know what we are to use to worship the Lord. But the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, and he was not willing to let them go. Uh, Verse 28, Pharaoh said to Moses, Get out of my sight. Make sure you do not appear before me again. The day you see my face, you will die. Just as you say, Moses replied, I will never appear before you again. You know, coming up to the final plague, which is going to be the worst one of all. You know, it's been bad for Egypt. You know, one, it, it's been like one building block upon another until the, the, the land is decimated. The people, I'm sure there's chaos in the land. There's chaos. There's people that, you know, his approval rating is probably pretty poor. Oh, man. You know, because because of what's going on here. Well, and, and the Israelites' approval rating is probably pretty poor, too. And this last plague, too, you know, the, the sun deity, like in many cultures, played a, a very large role in Egyptian society. Mm-hmm. The worship of the sun and all of these things. And so... God literally just, that foundational institution, again, like you said, his approval rating, I mean, he just flipped it yeah. completely on, on its head again. And so, you know, this is, there. it really is uh, apropos for us today. Well, if you, the, God, the, the sun god and Pharaoh is God are the two most powerful, from what I know, they're the most powerful deities that they have. Mm-hmm. I think the sun god was Ra. Uh, I believe so. I think, and he was, and he because you know people people worship what they didn't understand. They didn't understand how the sun and all that worked, correct? You know, and what it all was, but they knew it gave life. Well, and it's important too to understand what their religion was. Mm-hmm. You know, because you talked about they they didn't understand what it was, and they didn't. And their and religion is it, pagan religion was totally bent around people manipulating the deities to get what they wanted. So for God to be doing all the things he's doing, for him to be putting darkness over the land for three days, is a huge slap in the face of these guys. For these magicians and these priests not to be able to reproduce the things that Moses and Aaron are doing, huge slap in the face yeah. to their credibility. Yeah. Huge. I mean, it's, it, it's like, it's as if God turned the stock market into a yo-yo one well, day. Think you about, know, I mean, think, it's the only thing I can think, think of. Think about two. What, what is... What is this doing to the people? Yeah, I mean, darkness that you can feel. Mm. Man, I've been in the dark before, but I don't know that I've ever been in the dark that you could feel, where you felt the dark around you. That's a different kind of dark, man. I mean, it was dark here yesterday. I was here yesterday morning, you know, and I got here before it got daylight. And so, you know, I walked in and, it, and it's dark. There's no power in this place. The only lights that are on, we have security lights in that in that building that come on when the when the power goes off, and and they were on, but you go in the annex, and you go into a bathroom in the annex, it is so dark, you can't you you can't you can't even feel your hand from your face so dark mm-hmm. in there. Well, I mean, but that's not a darkness. I don't think that you can feel where you feel the dark. That's that's different. So it must have been really scary for these people. Their sun has gone away, especially in the middle of the day when they're supposed to be, you know, we expect, what did we expect this morning at 6.30, 6.15? What did we expect? Sun's sun. going to come up. That's right. What happens if it didn't? 
<laughs> for three days. What happened if it didn't for three Thank months gosh. or three weeks? What, what if it didn't? What if it just decided, God decided not to let it come? Would it be a scary thing? Yeah. Yeah, you see, I think I think he's 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 implanting fear not only in Pharaoh, but he's implanting fear in his own people. Yeah, it's not it's not so much my analogy, I think, with the stock market, you have a good point. My analogy with the stock market isn't right. I mean, I think the closest thing we could we could come to, to even approaching it would be the Great Depression. Mm-hmm. The Dust Bowl. I mean, everything that that, that encompassed mm-hmm. um, would probably be the closest thing. I don't know. I don't know if we're really at that point. You know, I was thinking it's a very it's a very similar place in our society, but I don't think we're quite where. I mean, this is broken. No, I mean, I, I mean, but, you know, just, you, but you start to see when you start to break things. Okay. It usually is a progression, and one thing happens, and then another thing happens, and another thing happens, and, and that's kind of what happens in a, like in this pandemic we're in. You know, you get one decisions made, and then you make another bad decision, and now you've got now you, now it's worse, and then you make another bad decision, now it's really worse, and see, and so they've had eight plagues so far that has really, you know, the the water turned to blood. You know, the cattle and all the thing, people have things have died, the locusts have come, the hails come, you know, fire and all this stuff, and the country is decimated. And you'd see how how people I mean, people are acting like fools here in our culture now. People getting on an airplane and, and screaming and spitting on people. You know, what I mean, what's up with this? Why just because we're in a pandemic and people are but people are afraid. Mm. People are afraid when they don't know what's going on. And you know, I mean, am I afraid? No, I'm not really afraid. You know, I mean, <coughs> you know, if God's going to use this, whatever he's going to do, fine. You know, I'm, but I'm okay with where I'm going. Uh, but I see people out there, they're scared. They're, they're, they're scared that there's going to be a, the end's coming. And uh, it was just all kinds of nonsense. Mm-hmm. Well, what, this is the same thing going on here. And then it's going to get to the next one is going to be even worse. Right. The next one's really bad. I mean, it's, it's, it's horrifying you know, like, like, what if the sun doesn't come up, yeah. right? It's, it's horrifying. And then especially with us, you know, we have all these lights and all this electricity and everything like that. But what if it didn't work? Yeah. What if it, you know, I mean, it's obvious that God has control over his creation. And yeah. so there's no light. There's nothing. You know, I don't think we, if, if as you pointed out, we struggle with understanding the implications of that. Sure. But at least when the lights come back on, everybody's still alive. You go, wow. Right. Yeah. Well, but this here, none of these plagues killed people. Now, I'm sure some people died, okay? I'm sure they did. But none of these plagues kill people. Not like not like they're about to. And this next plague's going to kill people. This one's going to attack them as a people. You know, none of this here, you know, the plague of darkness, okay, you bump into something, maybe you, you could put a cut on your head or something or bump, break your nose or something. But, you know, you know the plague of locusts and the, and the, and the, the water, the gnats, boil, it's all an inconvenience. Really inconvenient. There's nothing. Now you got hit with a hailstone. Maybe that hurts you some, and maybe hurts you bad. Well, I mean, you. They've. He's. God has broken this society. This. This supposedly the most powerful nation at the time. He's broken them in every way. This is the last straw. But what should they have learned? What should his people have been learning? That God's in complete control. What should we be learning? Mm. You see. Mm-hmm. If we're, you know, what I prayed about, you know, give us a clarity and a, a, a change of heart. We look at this stuff and say, you know what? What am I going to learn from this? What can I learn from what, what's happening to these people? Is there something I can learn? Well, as you pointed out, you know, our society is terrified. Our society is, uh, people are terrified in our society because they lack control. Yeah. You know, yeah. that's, that's what, you know, look, you know, I'm a paramedic. 
Mm -hmm. Okay, so I understand there are different masks for different things, mm -hmm. right? But a lot of people have just anything, a bandana covering your face. There's a reason a surgeon doesn't go into an operating theater with a bandana. Yeah. There's a reason that work. patients that are on, on uh, you know, airborne isolation don't go into, into rooms with, with you know, the, like this. Mm -hmm. Okay. There's a reason that, that it doesn't happen. There's a reason there are different types of masks, right? But what, what's at the core, you know, and I'm just using the masks as an example. You could use anything, but what, what's at the core of this desire to, to reassert some type of control? Mm -hmm. For Christians, we understand that God has control. Yeah. And so it's not, we, we look at this story and we go, what other, what other, what other conclusion could we possibly mm -hmm. come to? Mm -hmm. We look at Christ's resurrection and all the evidence for that and go, well, if, if he is the author of life, if he has this complete control, then what do I need to be afraid? I think Paul says it best in Romans chapter eight, when he says, you know, what, who could stand against the church? Who yeah. can stand against yeah. those in Christ? Yeah. So Pharaoh is learning that. And this is the last lesson. Yeah. Here's the last lesson. Chapter okay. 11. Chapter 11, verse one. Now the Lord had said to Moses, I will bring one more plague on Pharaoh and on Egypt. Uh, after that, he will let you go from here. And when he does, he will drive you out completely. I think it's really important as we go through these chapters too. You know, I wish I'd mentioned this earlier, but watch what God says and how it always comes to be. Yeah. And then go look at the gospels and watch what Christ says. Yeah. And it always comes to be. Mm -hmm. God just says it and that's the way it is. It's really, it's really, really awesome. Pharaoh says a lot of things, but that's it doesn't, no, nothing, happens, nothing happens. Yeah. No. Verse two, uh, tell the people that the men and women alike are to ask their neighbors for articles of silver and gold. The Lord made the Egyptians favorably disposed toward the people, and, and Moses himself was highly regarded in, e in Egypt by Pharaoh's officials and by the people. What? What? <laughs> yep. How did that happen? God did it. Yeah. God did it. Said and said. And said uh, that the Lord made the Egyptians favorably disposed toward the people because they're not only going to leave, they're going to plunder them. And these people are going are to pay them to go. They understand that there's something going. Just like Rahab the harlot in, in another 30 years, 40 years, they're going to come to Jericho. And when they do, Rahab the, the prostitute is going to say, we have heard about your, your God and we are trembling in fear. We are afraid. Because we've heard about your God. You think they've, that this has been done in a vacuum? Mm, yeah. Everybody knows what's going on in Egypt. Yeah. They knew. In, in Jericho, they knew what was going on in Egypt. They'd heard about it. The, the news traveled. Everybody that was leaving Egypt. You don't think there was people leaving well, Egypt? That's, and it's 40 years later. But but you don't think you know, even even no no what I'm saying is it's crazy that it would still be it yeah is, oh I, mean, I see it, what you mean yeah yeah it's yeah. like you know forty years later and these people are still trembling They're still in fear. fear and but they've they've watched what they've watched what God's done through the wilderness they've watched the people that He's annihilated oh, they've watched yeah, the water they've yeah. they've heard about the water coming from a rock they've heard about the quail and the manna they've heard there is a God following they've seen they've heard of the pillar of cloud and the pillar of fire because that's still there. All right, and and you know that's a these people have heard of it. We'll see that really soon. And see, and we don't, and we don't, we'll and we don't know, we don't realize because it doesn't tell us. You know, I, I say all the time when I'm studying with people, read, read between the lines. What's going on? What do you? What's the sense that's going on here? People are scared. They're terrified. And pretty soon now, God's going to say, okay, now He's whispering there. Now, here, pay them to go, pay them to go. They're going to plunder you. And, and, he, and he tells him right there, he said, the Lord made the Egyptians favorably disposed toward the people, and Moses himself was highly regarded. 
That means God elevated Moses. It'd have to be a God thing. Absolutely. I mean, who would, who would look at this? You know, who, who, you know, could you imagine this happening today? Someone coming in and saying, this is the way it's going to be, and if it doesn't, God's going to do this, that, and the other. People would hate that person. Don't you think that Pharaoh, when he had an audience with Moses, had an entourage around him? Oh, sure. Okay? I'm sure. And you think all those people kept quiet? Oh, no. No. You, think, you, didn't, you don't think that, that, uh, that, when, that when that staff, Turned into a snake and swallowed up the other two sta- other two snakes. There wasn't people going and said, "Man, you would not believe what I just saw." <laughs> yeah, yeah. You would not believe, man. I know what Pharaoh said, but let me tell you what I saw, and that's not how it went exactly, man. Pharaoh came up on CBS and, and NBC and Fox News, and he's telling this how this happened. Let me tell you how it really happened. I was there. I know what happened. You see, you know, we don't we don't think of it that way. We don't because it didn't tell us word for word. We're not looking at, okay, what was going on between the lines? What was happening? What were the people doing? That's how God was God was favorably disposed deposing or disposing Moses and the and the Israelites to the people through all the plagues. Through all the plagues. He's been doing this. Elevating these guys. Elevating them. Man, they're looking at him as a guy. Because Egyptians are gonna go with them. That's when they leave, Egyptians are going with them. Yeah. So, you know, it's pretty cool. In verse 4, so Moses said, This is what the Lord says. About midnight I will go throughout Egypt. Every firstborn son in Egypt will die. From the firstborn son of Pharaoh, who sits on the throne, to the firstborn son of the female slave, who is at her handmill, And all the firstborn of the cattle as well. There will be loud wailing throughout Egypt, worse than there has ever been or ever will be again. But among the Israelites, not a dog will bark at any person or animal. Then you will know that the Lord makes a distinction between Egypt and Israel. All these officials of yours will come to me, bowing down before me and saying, Go, you and all the people who follow you. After that, I will leave. Then Moses, hot with anger, left Pharaoh. So he tells Pharaoh. When Pharaoh says, you're not, you're not going to see me again, he says. You're right. Is- you're right. Let me tell you what God just told me. What's going to happen here? This is the way this is going to work. What do you think after he left? What do you think the, the because he says he was favorably disposed, highly regarded in Egypt by Pharaoh's officials and by the people. You see that back up in verse two? Yeah. Where the officials are left in there when Moses and Aaron turn around and walk out. What do you think's going on? What do you think that conversation's like? Oh man. Dude, man, you have screwed up, man. You have messed up. Boy, dude. Man, this guy had called he cleaned your clock. No, I'm not sure they're not saying it, but they're oh, saying it no. amongst themselves. They're saying, man, did you hear what Moses just said to Pharaoh? Well, and, and think of the, the religious implications, though, too, because this, this Pharaoh is supposed to be a deity. Yeah. And so this is the most powerful nation on the, on the planet, you know, and in the span of 10 plagues or, le- or nine plagues up to this point, mm-hmm. they've been cast down. All of their gods have been made to look like fools. Pharaoh, who's supposed to be a very powerful deity, has been made to look like a fool. What of the I, I can't imagine... I, it's very hard for me to to how would we react today, you know? I guess I I guess to some extent I guess you know, I'm thinking about it. I'm I'm thinking how must people feel when the CD says CDC says one thing and something else is happening, or they say one thing and then three weeks later they say something else. Because that's the I mean it's almost become like like in with this pandemic that it's like they've turned the word science. Science is a process, right? Mm-hmm. Science is about yeah. is about testing. 
you know, is does it work this way? Does it work that way? It's about observation and testing. I think it might work this way, so let me test that hypothesis and we'll see if it's true, right? It's about reprodu reproducing results, all of that type of thing. And I understand that's very, that's very basic. But that's what science is really about. But it's almost seemed to me, like in this pandemic, that science has become this talisman this religious talisman to ward off mm -hmm. evil, right? Oh, well, we're following the science. Uh, what are you talking about then? You know, I mean, a lot of the conclusions that have been said, and, I, and I'm not trying to get into the political say. stuff. I'm just trying it. to point out that it's almost like everything that we trust in some regards. That we in, elevate. That we elevate yeah. has been turned on its head. Wait till you, what do you think is going to happen when all these things that we elevated, all these things that we worship, in our lives, that when God comes back, when he finally comes back, what's going to happen to all that stuff? Mm. What happens to Pharaoh? What happens to his, all of his gods? What happens to all the, the things they worship? They've turned, been turned, they have come face to face with God, and they've lost every time. Now here's Pharaoh coming before him, and he's going to lose again. And he's going to finally, God's, and look at what it said. The Lord said to Moses, Pharaoh will refuse to listen to you so that my wonders may be multiplied in Egypt. He's going to refuse. I've hardened his heart. I've hardened a hardened heart already. He's already hard. I've already I've made it worse because he's not going to turn around and listen anyway. And and here he is. And it's good. now my I am going to be elevated and glorified, and my wonder is going to be revealed all over Egypt. Why Everybody's he, going to know. Why does he do that? Why does he want his wonders to be multiplied in Egypt? Why Why does he? What is What does he? What does he want? Why does he care? Because he's God. And he demands to be glorified. He demands to be honored. He demands to be elevated. And sometimes we need to be taught that we are not that we need to do that. We need to be taught. And that's what he does. Maybe you know, did, are you not in the process with your three kids, are you not in the process of teaching them and training them to show respect to you and to your wife? Oh, absolutely, all the time. Well, then why do you do that? Because it's... Because it's the best way for them to learn um, the things that they need to learn. Okay. Like, you know, I want them to grow up and to do the right things. Okay. And for them to do that, they need to, the, the basis for that, the foundation for that has to be respect okay. and obedience to Justin okay. and I. And, and ultimately, to show respect to other human beings. That's right, yeah. And to show because it will it will it will follow that once you they learn how to respect mother and father, they will respect people in in authority, and they will respect people. And you teach them how to respect each other. That's right. So they will respect other people. Your your son will re learn to respect women, but and girls by the way he treats his sisters. You see how it all intertwines together and all sure. rolls together like a thing down a hill. Mm -hmm. Well, God's doing the same thing. You learn how to respect me and you learn how to honor me and you learn how to glorify me. Then you're going to honor your life that I've given you. You're going to honor the Savior that I'm going to send. You're going to honor the people in leadership and elderships and churches. And you're not going to be one of these people that always wants to cause a fight. Right. Always wants to always wants to be negative. Always wants to be. That's what God's doing here. He is training us. Everything he does is a training. He's a father. Everything you do is training them. Everything. You know, when you did what you did yesterday, did they know what you were doing? No, I didn't have any idea. They will one day. They, they all got dressed. They thought people were coming over. Oh, okay. So they all got dressed, dressed, thinking that oh, people are going to come. Were up. they in there with you? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I had to, I had to stop and pause for a second and and tell them, hey, you need to stop talking. Okay. <laughs> but but you see, they they learn from that. 
They're going to learn. That's what a parent does. I mean, it, it's, you know, here you say, why does God do that? Because we need to learn how to be respectful, how to be how to honor and glorify. Because if we don't learn how to do this from him, when we come to church, what are we going to do? We're going to honor and, and glorify the things of the world. Ourselves. Thanks. That, that's exactly what people in the world are doing today. They go to, people went to worship yesterday. They didn't go to worship God. Many places, they didn't go to worship God. They went to worship themselves, worship their stuff, worship their, you know, whatever it was. Now, I'm not saying everybody, but there were some because they just never learned. They never bothered to learn from God what it is that God wants them to know. And that's, I think, why God's doing this. He's going to train them. Now, they're not going to learn it, but aren't we a lot like them? Mm. How often do you have to train your kids? <laughs> is, it, is it an ongoing, Every repetitive day. process? Oh, yes. You see? Kids are all alike. I watched them. I watched the Paul's kids get in trouble the other day. I, they got in trouble. One of them got in trouble after I left. I didn't. I. I don't even know what happened. But but they're learning. They they're learning, growing. That's what God's doing with us too. Learning us, training us, teaching us, growing us, making us into what we need to be. It didn't say, and you know we're we're getting close to time here. I want to I want to I want to give you one verse as we close sure. this session. Romans chapter fifteen. And verse 4. Okay. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. Mm. So why is God doing this? So that us, years later, sitting here, thousands of years later, we can learn and grow and have hope that God still loves us and still being a great father. Amen. Okay? Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you so much for the opportunity we've had to study together. I pray, Father, that as we get into this more about what happens with the death of the firstborn, that we'll start to see, Father, really get clarified some of the things that we're involved in today, the, the communion idea and all of that that we're involved in, that we, that we remember what's going on, the, the Passover, what happened with the Passover and all of that. Help us, Father, as we get into the next, uh, the next uh, study that we have. But thank you for this one, and thank you for the studies we've gone through about Pharaoh. Help us to learn from them. And help us to continue to learn and grow. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.